Brina Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. Welcome, witches. This is episode 38 of Hex Positive. I'm your host, Brina Garen, and as you may recall, I discussed the ins and outs of building your own personal witchcraft library back in episode 36. This month, we're returning to the topic of books and having a sort of witchy back-to-school special to talk about personal grimoires. I know the word grimoire conjures up the idea of a big, weighty tome with lots of formal writing, and that may be true in a historical and pop culture sense, but a modern grimoire can be pretty much anything you need it to be. We're going to get into a brief history of the idea of the grimoire, where they come from, what a modern grimoire might contain, and how to organize those resources, but first... As usual, a few quick announcements. I'll be at the Harvest Witch Market on Sunday, September 17th from noon to 6 p.m. This is another River City Witch Market event, and this month we're back over at Diversity Thrift on Sherwood Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. There will be dozens of vendors with all kinds of harvest and autumn-themed goodies to help you start off Oh, let's face it, everyone's favorite time of year in style. I'll have my usual complement of books and powders, plus the brand new car charms that I've been test selling at recent events, and they have been going like hotcakes, so you may see them appearing in my shop soon. If you like little tiny bottle charms, you're going to love these cuties. They've been selling out so quickly, I haven't even been able to keep enough in stock to put them in my online shop like I originally planned. I'm going to try again later this month if I have any left, but if you're in the Richmond area, definitely turn up to my table to get yours if you can. Once again, that's the Harvest Witch Market at Diversity Thrift on Sherwood Avenue, Sunday, September 17th, from noon to 6 p.m. Look for the big purple Hex Positive banner with the twinkly lights inside the venue. Speaking of updates to the Willow Wings Witch Shop, I'm going to be pivoting toward some new items this fall. The generic witch kits seem to have run their course, so I'm going to be trying to put together some purpose-driven kits, maybe even spell-specific ones for entries from the Sisters Grimoire, apropos. I'm also currently pricing materials for additional pre-made charms of several types, and I'll let you know if any of those wind up in the shop. If nothing else, I'll probably be test driving more of them at live market events, and I've got at least two a month scheduled in October, November, and December. Pray for me, witches, it's gonna be a busy winter. So, now that that's out of the way, let's get into it. Before we get properly started, I just want to clarify a couple of things with regard to terminology. And this is something that I think I've brought up before. 
In a lot of discussions related to the personal record books that people keep within and about their practices, there's a lot of overlap with the terms that are used. You'll see things like Book of Shadows, or Witch Book, or Spell Book, or Book of Mirrors, or Dream Journal, or Craft Journal, or Grimoire, and such get used kind of interchangeably, without much distinction between them. And yes, there is some overlap in the way these terms are used now, but there are also distinctions between them. In particular, I want to mention that a grimoire and a book of shadows, historically speaking, are not the same thing. I want to mention this both for the purposes of this discussion and to debunk the myth that old books which contain descriptions of ritual magic or herbal potions or magic spells are evidence of secret pagan witch cults. See last month's shared rant with my nerd and Thai senpai Trey Dorn regarding the writings of Margaret Murray. Thankfully, we don't see this particular misconception much anymore. But there was a time when these books, which are in fact often called grimoires in the historical record, were touted as ancient books of shadow by proponents of the Wicca is an ancient religion crowd. We'll get to the history of actual grimoires in a minute, but it's important to note that Book of Shadows is a completely modern term. It's no less valid for being modern, but let's just talk about the origins super duper quick. Gerald Gardner saw it in a magazine and thought it sounded cool, so that's what he called his personal spellbook, and the term later became popular when Wicca and the modern witchcraft movement started gaining steam in the 1950s and 1960s. So if you hear someone talking about some old-timey book of magic like the Black Pullet or the Black Book of Isabel Gowdy, and they call it a Book of Shadows, that's not actually a thing. And that person is either misinformed or touting pseudo-historical bullshit. Yes, books which contain descriptions of magic spells and rituals have existed for a long time, practically as long as we've had magic and writing. No, they are not evidence of a cohesive secret pagan cult or an unbroken line of any kind. What they are evidence of is the fact that people have been practicing various forms of magic for centuries, and lots of those people took time to write things down. That's it. That's literally all it signifies. Well, it also signifies that some people have done some creative writing, to try and make a buck off the credulous public with allegedly ancient magical tomes, but mostly it's the first thing. In modern terms, a book of shadows or witch book or craft journal or whatever you decide to call it is a personal record of your craft and your craft specifically. It includes notes on your studies and various spells and things, but it is also likely to include personal reflections, journal entries, artistic expression, witchy inspo, and so forth. Things that detail your personal journey with the craft. Kind of like a witch's diary. A grimoire, on the other hand, is 
more like a textbook. It's where you keep correspondence tables, research notes, spells, diagrams, magical theory, calendars, instructions, and so on. Very fact-based, meant for reference rather than personal reflection. Also, technically, extant historical grimoires are largely focused on raising and communicating with various types of spirits, including the human dead, and a whole litany of angels, demons, fairies, elementals, and so forth, depending on the authorship, and how to work with these entities to gain knowledge and accomplish your goals. So, necromancy. Lots and lots of necromancy. And demonolatry. Sometimes both. Like I said, there's definitely overlap between the two in modern practice and discussion. That is, grimoires and books of shadows, not necessarily necromancy and demonolatry, another subject for another day. So if you want to put personal notes and such in your grimoire, or add tables and diagrams to your craft journal, go for it. This is a personal document. It doesn't have to pass muster with some greater board of witchcraft studies in order to be deemed proper. And unless you're planning to publish later, this is really just for your own reference. Exactly, Penny. Excellent input. Thank you. And like she said, publishing your thoughts and research on witchcraft is definitely a topic for another day. Thank you, Penny. For the purposes of our discussion today, I'm going forward with the presumption that we're putting together a purely referential document, and as such, we'll be referring to it as a grimoire. So, in a historical sense, a grimoire is a magical textbook. They would contain instructions for casting spells, performing rituals, creating talismans or amulets, preparing elixirs, invoking deities and spirits, all sorts of stuff like that. Sometimes the book itself was a magical object, believed to contain certain powers which were activated by reading or possessing it. And yes, like I said, grimoires are a real thing that exists. We do have examples of these tomes of magical instruction from centuries past, and some of them still exist in museums and archives today. Whether they actually represent an actual magical tradition varies between examples. Some of them were associated with various religions, which included certain magical or ceremonial practices as part of their rites. But they definitely are indeed a thing. They're primarily a European, North African, and Middle Eastern thing, in particular, in the sense that books of magical instruction which were specifically called grimoires appear earliest and most often in the historic record in those places, specifically in the Middle East. But the concept appears in various magical traditions all over the world. The term grimoire comes from the old French, forgive me, grammaire, which originally referred to any book written in Latin. And actually the word didn't enter the English lexicon until the 1800s, by which time the common usage was specifically in reference to books of magic. 
Before that, books of magic were generally referred to individually by their titles or collectively as magical tomes or mystical texts or similar. It's important to note that it's nearly impossible to tell who wrote pretty much any of the ancient books of magic that we know of. This is partly because of a lack of provenance for most of them, partly because there's a marked history of fakes, as I mentioned before, and partly because of a practice called pseudepigrapha. Pseudepigrapha is the false assignment of author credit to a famous name, which is done to lend a document additional authenticity or gravitas that it might not otherwise have. Usually you find this with religious documents, but it's also done with certain works on history or philosophy, and pretty much for the same reasons. And it's something that's been done a lot through the centuries, with various magical and religious and historical texts being falsely credited to known historical figures in an attempt to give them more credibility. Some of this was done for commercial reasons, some of it was done for marketability, and some are what are called pious frauds, which is an attempt by some religious body or other to bolster their argument or bolster the message of their particular faith through a false document or sometimes even a false artifact that is meant to invigorate the masses and increase their belief. One of the more famous examples of pseudepigrapha is the Key of Solomon. Anyone who's ever delved into modern demonolatry or even just dabbled in occultism will probably be at least passingly familiar with this text. It's a fairly well-known collection of spells, rituals, and information concerning the major demons of hell and how to summon them for various purposes. And, as the title suggests... It was allegedly a record of the rituals used by the biblical King Solomon, yes, that King Solomon, who has a reputation in folklore and occultism as someone who used divine wisdom to control and command all sorts of spirits. This is a story that was applied to Solomon well after his death, and even after the writing of the first text, which would eventually become the forerunners of the Bible. The earliest examples of the Key of Solomon that we have are from the early Italian Renaissance, somewhere in the 1500s. Yeah, that recent. It was created by occultists of the day and credited to Solomon to give it both credibility and an air of antiquity. In point of fact, it's not actually all that different from certain modern authors who try to give very modern practices more weight by claiming that they're actually ancient practices from this or that secret pagan cult or whatever. Anyway, Nathaniel Lloyd of Historical Blindness did a whole episode on the Key of Solomon and how pseudepigrapha makes determining the authenticity of old texts more difficult. And if you're interested in learning more about the topic, Please go give that a listen. It's a wonderful show. I'll include the episode info in the show notes. So all of this, pseudepigrapha, pious frauds, creative fictions, and so forth, are something to keep in mind 
if you happen to come across some allegedly ancient book of magic in your journeys. Most of them are a lot more modern than you think, and there's a good chance that most of them were not actually written by witches, or in some cases, magical practitioners at all. Even the ones that claim to be written by famous witches. Especially the ones that claim to be written by famous witches. Seriously, the number of books that I have seen that are in existence that claim to have been written by some famous figure from the witch trials in Salem, or North Berwick, or Lancashire, it's a whole racket. They do make for some entertaining reading, and they're definitely a record of the beliefs about witches at the time, but records of actual witchcraft, they are not. And don't even get me started on Leland's Aradia. And of course, to further muddy the waters, there are tons of grimoires in pop culture, from any number of witchy family heirlooms in shows like Sabrina and Charmed, to Winifred Sanderson's beloved book, and that darling of horror fans everywhere, the Necronomicon. And yes, whether you're referring to the skin-bound semi-sentient monstrosity from the Evil Dead series, or the vile and blasphemous Book of the Elder Gods from Lovecraft, both of these are fictional creations, despite what some may tell you. Personally, I think Winnie's book could be a nod to the Raimi model, but I could be wrong. You ever been wrong? Happens to me all the time. So, all this to say that grimoires certainly exist as historical artifacts. Modern grimoires are an altogether different beast. For one thing, there are a lot more grimoires written by and for individual practitioners rather than big weighty tomes all in Latin, which are meant to inform a wider practice. Of course, some magical traditions do have written records of magical learning that they collect and pass down, whether it's within a covenship situation or a mentor-to-student relationship, or indeed as a family heirloom. And it's funny, it, it used to be that if someone claimed they had a book of spells they got from their witchy grandma, it was a big red flag that that person was a liar. But nowadays, it's actually very possible. We have witches from the 50s and 60s who have had children, who are in turn having children of their own, so we have generational books of witchcraft now. It's actually kind of exciting. And if you want to get technical too, a goodly number of the mass market books on witchcraft that you can find at chain bookstores or online also qualify as grimoires, since they are collections of magical knowledge, spells, rituals, and instructions. Some of them even have grimoire right there in the title like Anne Mora's Grimoire for the Green Witch and Patricia Telesco's A Victorian Grimoire, and, of course, my own little title of fairy tale magic, The Sisters' Grimoire. We'll be back with more Hex Positive after this brief sponsored break. This episode is brought to you in part by Portland Buttonworks. Do you like buttons? Of course you do. Have you ever had a great idea for one, but just been like, darn it, if only I had the resources and equipment? Well, fret no more. Portland Buttonworks is just what you need. 
Portland Button Works creates custom pinback buttons in four different sizes, plus magnets, hand mirrors, and bottle openers. Download their templates and create your own designs, or use their new Design-O-Matic for quick formatting. You can order just a few custom items, or order in bulk for merchandise or big events. I've been getting buttons from Portland Button Works for years, and their quality is always top of the line. Ever wonder where the Hex Positive buttons came from? Well, now you know. And once you're done making your buttons, make sure you visit the newly rebranded Spiral House Shop, a thoughtfully curated catalog of pre-made buttons, zines, books, comics, tarot cards, and other curiosities, Spiral House focuses on intersectionality, the personal as political, witchcraft, magic, and occult topics. There's a good chance that they have exactly what you're looking for. Visit the main button works at portlandbuttonworks.com and check out the Spiral House Shop at spiralhouseshop.com. Help support small business and get your buttons from Portland Button Works. Fighting fascism one button at a time since 2012. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast and would like to help support the show, make sure you visit the Willow Wings Witch Shop. There you can pick up copies of Grove Daughter Witchery, The Sisters Grimoire, and Pestlework, or shop for specialty items you won't find anywhere else, like witchweb kits, vials of my homemade banishing powder, and podcast merch. Use code HEXPOSITIVE to get a special surprise with your order. Visit brinacaron.wordpress.com shop and place your order today. And now, back to the show. So these pre-existing works are all well and good, as are the published grimoires written for witches by witches that we can add to our personal libraries. But how does one go about creating a personalized grimoire? And more than that, how on earth do you even start to catalog and organize all that information? Let me just preface the back half of the episode by saying this. You're going to want to take notes. There will be a lot of suggestions for organization techniques, headers and sections, topic subjects, and so on. Take them all with a generous grain of salt, use whatever suits your needs and your style, and leave the rest on a shelf for another day. I will make a transcript of these suggestions available in the show notes that I put up on WordPress so you can check back on those later. And if you ever want to find show notes or transcripts for past episodes, you can go to brainicarin.wordpress.com and search the tag show notes. I've had a couple people pop into my DMs recently to ask about that. First and foremost, you're going to need a container for your grimoire. Whether this takes the form of a handwritten notebook or a three-ring binder or a blog or an online drive... I suggest picking something that you're going to be able to use, add information to, and reference easily, and something that's not too intimidating. Your other best friend in this endeavor is going to be organization. I suggest starting with a pack of index tabs and a consistent naming convention. For those not familiar, a naming convention is a standardized, repeated, agreed-upon system for naming things. If you're making a book or a binder or a series of folders, having a naming convention is really going to help you file and retrieve what information you put into them much more easily. 
For a grimoire, this might look like a standardized set of sections and subsections where similar information is grouped together in a way that makes sense and is easy to reference in the future, as opposed to just throwing everything in willy-nilly without any sense of cohesion. The as-you-go approach might work for things like journaling or dream diaries or personal witch books or your personal book of shadows, but if we're working under the assumption that you want your grimoire to be a reference volume, even just for personal use, you're going to want to organize it and be consistent with that organization. And that might just be the ADHD talking, but this is one of the reasons that I recommend three ring binders or digital files for modern grimoires since they're much easier to organize in this fashion, and it's also easier to add or remove information if you need to. Your grimoire should contain whatever information you find useful to your practice. That might be instructions for performing rituals or casting spells, lists of useful components or resources, correspondence tables, articles on various topics, calendars, charts, diagrams, and so on. If you're starting from scratch, it will probably be a little bit easier to organize your notes and continue that system as you go. Start as you mean to go on and so forth. If you're trying to organize the study materials and notes that you already have, start by sorting the information into broad categories. I would suggest things like the following. General craft theory, the overall ideas that govern your craft. Personal craft, your own views and experiences as a witch. Instructions, how-tos and tutorials plus your own personal rules if you have them. Magical practices, any notes on the different types of magic and how to employ them, i.e. protection, divination, hexing, etc. Magical theory, any notes on the ideas behind how magic works and mechanics related to such. Calendars, important dates and any celebrations related to them. Religious matters. Info on deities, offerings, and related lore, if you choose to incorporate some sort of religion into your practice. Celestial matters, astronomical and astrological information, if you use that. Components, tools, ingredients, and objects you use in your craft. Correspondences, lists of magical associations for herbs, crystals, and so on. Signs and sigils symbols and signs important to you in your craft, including any omens that you happen to use. Recipes, component lists for potions, incense, herb blends, meals, etc. Spellcraft, records of spells you've cast, found, or written yourself that might prove useful. Rituals, detailed records of any rituals you perform with illustrations where needed. And resources, Lists of informational sources like books, blogs, websites, podcasts, and so on. These larger sections can be further broken down into subsections to suit whatever information you put into them, like organizing your spells and rituals by type, or having one section for an overall calendar and another for holidays, and so on. We should start a drinking game for how often I say so on and so forth, and 
other variations of that phrase. Maybe use water instead of beer. Anyway, this is where those index tabs I mentioned can come in very handy. And they're great if you happen to have any other large books in your collection where some fast reference might be helpful. I actually put tabs in several of the large books in my own library just to be able to help me find things quickly. They are a godsend. Break things up in a way that makes sense to you and include topics that are relevant to your practice. If there's something in that list of suggestions that doesn't apply to your craft, there's no hard and fast need to include it. And by the same token, if there's something I didn't mention that you feel would be useful, by all means, include that. If it helps, you can look at published grimoires or books of magical instruction for ideas on topics to include, or ways to structure the content in a way that makes sense. Remember, this grimoire is for your reference to help you further your craft. You get to decide what that looks like, what goes into it, and how it's organized. Just so long as it is organized. Trust me, you will thank yourself later. Before we go on, just a super, super quick note about aesthetics, because I know a lot of us can get hung up on how our personal records look. I know I've been guilty of this in the past. It's your grimoire. If you're using a physical book or binder, the style is entirely up to you. It can be super simple, or you can make a witchy art project out of it. Aesthetic and decoration are fine as long as they don't make the book so fancy that the information gets lost or that adding to it and using it becomes intimidating. Other than that, it's your book. Decorate it however you please. It doesn't have to be a big leather-bound tome. It can be a school notebook or a three-ring binder. I just really love three-ring binders. Or a cool journal that you found at the bookstore. And it doesn't have to be publication-worthy or fit for anyone else to read. It just has to work for you. Back to grimoire content. Apart from organizational methods, there are really only two things that I recommend for every witch's grimoire or personal record of their craft learnings. The first is a quantification of your craft, and the second is the use of citations. If you're not sure where to start with your grimoire, start by sitting down and deciding what your craft looks like. Not necessarily what you want it to be eventually, but what it looks like right now. And to that end, I offer the following journaling exercise. Choose a notebook or open a Word document and begin quantifying your craft. Start by outlining the broad concepts. Do you follow a particular path or tradition? How would you classify your craft, i.e. green witchcraft, cottage craft, sea witch, lunar witch, and so on? Do you work with any deities? And if so, which ones? Do you work alone or with others? How long have you been practicing? What, to you, is the most important aspect of your craft? Then get into your working space. Do you have an altar? If so, what's on it and why? Do you have a dedicated workspace or a place you go to work magic outside of your home? 
if you could describe your ideal workplace, what would it look like? Next, describe your tools. Do you have cards or runes or a wand or other specialized tools that you work with? What do you use most frequently? Do you have any favorites? Do you make or grow any of your components? Where do you acquire the things you use in your magic if you can't make them at home? Do you have a personal library? What are your favorite sources of information? Do you have ritual garb or jewelry that connects you with your craft? Sketch out your year as a witch. What holidays, if any, do you observe, and how do you celebrate them? What seasonal festivals or special occasions do you mark? Which ones do you enjoy the most? Is there a time of year when you feel more energized? Once you have all of this recorded, think back to what first interested you in magic and witchcraft and describe that. Was it a movie? A favorite book? A personal experience? Were you raised in the craft, or did you come to it on your own? What made you decide to become a witch? Then, think about how you've progressed since you started. Have you achieved a particular goal you set when you began, or are you closer to achieving it than you were? What have you gotten really good at? Where are you still struggling? Where would you like to be a year from now? Are there things you'd like to try but haven't yet? And of course, if anything else occurs to you, record that too. There is no need to share these thoughts with anyone if you don't want to. This is purely a personal exercise to help you understand where you are, where you've come from, and where you want to go. Quantifying this information might provide some much-needed inspiration, in addition to helping you solidify any nebulous thoughts that might be floating around. It's much easier to understand and progress in your craft if you have an outline for what you're already doing. As for citations, a grimoire isn't a research paper, but when you include information in it, you're going to want to know where it came from whether it's to refer back to the same source later, or to cite it to support your point in discussion, or to be able to effectively fact-check and revise your information later on, it's always good to know where your information is coming from. And the citations can be as simple or elaborate as you like. For my purposes, I usually just include the URL of the blog or article I got the information from, or the title and author of the book where I found it. The only real difference is that with physical sources, I might include a page number. If it's relevant, I may also include the publication year for the book or the article. For those of you who follow me on Tumblr, if you look down at the bottom of those lunar calendar posts that I do for the various full moons, that's generally what my citations look like in my digital grimoire. A title, a name, a link, maybe a publisher or date where needed. And if I'm citing my own experience in my grimoire, I make note of that too, just in case I happen to cite it as an example later on. It's the difference between, according to Cunningham, this herb works well for healing spells, and in my experience, this herb works well for healing spells. And yes, it's important to make that distinction. There are a lot of people in witchcraft and pagan spaces who cite personal experience or preference or theories as if they're fact without 
ever mentioning, hey, this is just my take on things. Which is why you hear me say, in my experience, or in my own craft so much, when I talk about the stuff I do in my own work. When I'm telling you something that's based on my own experience or preferences, I want to try and make sure I say so in some fashion, because I don't want confusion there. I don't want anyone to confuse my theories and my experience with any kind of universal belief or mechanics. I've said it before, I'll say it again, I am no expert, and I will never claim to be. <laughs> so definitely mark down those sources in your grimoire, whether it's a book or a blog post or an article or your own experience or a tip you got from a friend, whatever it is, just know where you got it from and have some notation of that. And as part of that, another good inclusion for your grimoire is a list of resources. Not just the citations on each article or section, but a straight-up list of good books you found, blogs that are helpful, podcasts you enjoy, YouTube channels with good information, and so forth. Again, it doesn't need to be super detailed. But it might help to have it later when you're like, ah, oh, darn it, I could really use some information on Lucky Charms and Talismans. What was that one book that had just that information? I was just thinking about it last week. And you have your list right there. Me, I have a whole spreadsheet that tells me what's in my library and what information each book covers. But I'm a slut for digital organization and my ADHD brain really loves spreadsheets. So please feel free to find the method that works best for you. So, in conclusion, your personal grimoire is what you make it. So make it something that's going to serve you and your craft well, and help you further your studies and be a useful resource for your future work. Make it as plain or as fancy as you'd like. Organize it in a way that makes sense. Make sure you include those citations, keep track of your sources, and make revisions as needed. If you happen to be going back to school, this is the perfect time to pick up a new notebook or binder and get started on your personal grimoire. I definitely suggest starting with the exercise to quantify your craft, even if you don't flesh out any of the other sections just yet. Consider it your witchy homework for the semester. Don't worry, this won't be on the final. So, that about wraps it up for this month. Before the usual plugs, I just want to remind everyone that we're moving into cold, flu, and COVID season. Yeah, it's part of the season now. Hooray! So, please take all precautions to protect your health and the health of your family, your friends, your co-workers, and all the random people you meet during your day. If you're sick, please stay home if you have the option. If you have to go out and you don't feel well, wear a mask. Yeah, bringing that back, let's normalize wearing masks everywhere again. There are already school districts in my area discussing a return to remote classes because of a COVID boom. Let's not make it any worse than it already is. If you're able to do so, get your flu shots, get your vaccine boosters. If you're going to a big event with lots of people, mask up just in case. Bring that hand sanitizer and be careful out there. Remember, 
COVID keeps mutating and it's no less deadly just because it's more common. It still does long-term damage every time you catch it and people are still dying from it. The pandemic is not over, folks. So let's all be responsible and sensible and look out for ourselves and each other, okay? Deal? Good talk. As always, Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network, where you can find shows ranging from live play to history to witchcraft, including my fabulous sibling show, BS Free Witchcraft, hosted by everyone's favorite curmudgeon, Trey Dorn. Make sure you check them out, show them some love. Please remember to rate and review the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and check out the interactive questions and polls on Spotify. Support the show by joining my Patreon for as little as a dollar a month for early access to new episodes and bonus content. And, of course, come and visit the Willow Wings Witch Shop, stop by my table at the Harvest Witch Market in Richmond, and keep an eye on my Tumblr and my WordPress for announcements of future events. Hopefully I'll have some new goodies for you very, very soon. Until next time, I'm Brina Garen, reminding you to stay safe, once again, wash your hands and wear your mask to avoid that fall COVID boom, and keep on learning. Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Check out everything they have to offer, including our sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, over at nerdandtie.com. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod. For all the latest updates, follow at hex underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me at at Brina Garen on Twitter and Instagram. For more information on my books, you can check out my WordPress and my Amazon author page. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Stay safe, wash your hands, and remember, always practice safe hex.